You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. Welcome into the Sports Objective. A big night and a big weekend ahead for the Pirates. Let's bring in now first Bubba Rosenbaum. Bubba, man, how are you? Doing well, Dave. Uh, yeah, saw the Pirates pick up a big midweek victory last night down in downtown Charlotte against the 49ers um, and team right around a quad one RPI, I think just outside of the top 50. And a very uh, nice win. And we'll talk more about that later on. But uh, this weekend, the Pirates are going to be out in Wichita at X Stadium taking on the Shockers. And right now, very excited to welcome back into the show the play-by-play voice of Wichita State, and that is Mike Kennedy. Mike, we appreciate your time this evening. Always good to talk to you guys. No doubt about it. We're excited to be coming to Wichita. And uh, you guys have such a beautiful ballpark. And Mike, uh, Help me remember, didn't you guys uh, renovate uh, this uh, historic stadium, but didn't you renovate it in the last couple of years? It's been longer than that, actually. Okay. The, uh, the major renovation's been, gosh, I think close to 20 years ago. That's hard to believe. Okay. Something like that, yeah. Well, I know the Pirates Dave, are... Sorry to interrupt, Dave, but what you're thinking about is, um, you know, adjacent to the ballpark there, you know, Mike, for our viewers and you know listeners who may not be aware, talk about the other things, the facility improvements with the indoor facility, okay. you know, all, right. all that stuff. I, th- I know that's what Dave's thinking about. You know, uh, Gene Stevenson, of course, was, you know, start restarted this program from scratch in the late 70s. And uh, his, his philosophy always was, he always said, if you're not, if you're not getting better, you're going backwards. There's no such thing as standing still. You always have to be trying to improve. And so uh, there's been an ongoing effort throughout the years to keep improving the facility. And uh, certainly the indoor facility has been a big part of that. And uh, it kind of make it into more of a a state-of-the-art situation, especially because when you consider where we are, I know you guys get some cold weather too, but uh, certainly we get enough here that if you can't work out indoors somewhere, it's it's tough to keep things going. And no doubt about it, Mike, and especially when you think about the fact for us, uh, Bubba can attest to this, it's really funny to be the first series of the season at home. It's middle February and you see people with uh, toboggans on, big jackets on, you're like, is this really baseball? Well, it's it's not <laughs> to me. <laughs> playing playing in some of those kinds of conditions in February and even March here, uh, it's tough. And we haven't had a lot of great weather. It's been better lately. Uh, it's been really warm a few places when we've been on the road, like at Kansas State the other night. Uh, this weekend, it's going to be more kind of normal here, 60s. I think Saturday's only going to be upper 50s, but but at least manageable. Yeah, Bubba, that's a lot better than uh, – plus, uh, a lot of times with us, we have a lot of rain, obviously, this time of year, so we have to dodge that and play doubleheaders and different things. But 
But, Mike, uh, let's talk about the season. Can you catch the uh, fans up on how things have gone so far for Wichita State? Well, you know, it's been a really interesting and really kind of uh, optimistic year, I would say. Uh, Wichita State only won 21 games last year. Uh, Eric Wedge stepped down in the fall uh, for health reasons. And then Lauren Hibbs, who I know you guys know well from his long career at Charlotte, uh, who was here as uh, – kind of the administrator for baseball, associate AD in charge of baseball operations, uh, agreed to take the head coaching position on an interim basis for this year. And so there were a lot of unknowns heading into January when they started practice again. And this team has continued to get better all spring. And uh, it's, it's a relatively experienced team and the position spots quite a bit of the lineup from last year returns. It's a relatively new pitching staff. And that's been a really pleasant surprise. The ERA is down like a full run a game from last year. And we've got some young guys in the bullpen that have really started to make some progress. And so uh, to be 21 and 15 at this point with the schedule they've played. We've got wins at Oklahoma State, won two of three from Oklahoma, just won the other night at Kansas State for the first time in the last nine tries there. So there have been a lot of positive things happening. Wichita State had never won a series at Tulane and had never won a series at Cincinnati before this season since joining this conference. So there's been a lot of good stuff going on. Yeah, taking a look at um... – the Shockers, 21-15, and 5-4 and four in the American. But uh, you mentioned that victory over Kansas State just the other night. And 10-4 to four win uh, in Manhattan. And, you know, if you would, you know, talk about how that game unfolded because I know one of the things that caught my eye, I think, what, the Shockers hit at least four, maybe five home runs? Six. Most six, since six. 1998 okay. <laughs> in a single game. Uh, they actually got a leadoff double from Chuck Ingram, who had a red-hot weekend last week at Tulane, hit the first pitch for a double to right center, and then they got him to third with one out and got a pop-out. It looked like they, the inning might go, you know, might go south, and Peyton Tolley hit a long home run to right field to get two runs in. Kansas State came right back with one, and then the Shockers just went nuts in the third and fourth, scored eight more times, and were up nine to one. Kansas State came right back and got three in the bottom of the fourth to make it nine to four. And they're a very good hitting team. They hit two home runs in the inning. And then it was the bullpens taking over, and it was pretty much scoreless until uh, Wichita State added one more run in the ninth on a on Brock Rodden's second home run of the game. So uh, one of the things that's gotten better about this team, there have been some games earlier in the year. They had an eight-to-one lead at Cincinnati in the final game of the series, had a chance to sweep that series and let it get away you know, late, lost a one-run game, and they've started to do a better job when they get a lead like that of taking care of it and, and uh, holding on down the stretch. So that was it was just a really good, solid win. But, yeah, six home runs, and it was a, it was a windy night, but the crazy thing was there was really only one home run uh, in the entire game by either team that was more of a windblown fly ball, and everything else was pretty much crushed, and most of it to center and to right, which was kind of across the wind or at least – not getting that much help from the wind. Mike, I know in North Carolina, we have a lot of, in uh, North Carolina and South Carolina, a lot of great baseball, but you guys are uh, right there in Big 12 country, and uh, you've already mentioned some teams there like Kansas State, but uh, talk about that, about a lot of great baseball for you guys where you don't have to do a lot of traveling for a lot of midweek games. 
Well, the good thing is, and it, it was it for the most part, it's been that way over the years, but not always. But there are some very good programs in easy driving distance that are willing to play. And uh, just in the last couple of years, actually, those schedules have expanded. We've we've had home and home series with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, Kansas and Kansas State, Oral Roberts for a number of years. Uh, there were times when like Oklahoma dropped out of it for a little while or Oklahoma State way back didn't want to play for a couple of years. But for the most part, those have been continuous and. They've done that where uh, one year you play two in Wichita and one the other place. This year, for instance, we go to Tulsa twice to play Earl Roberts. And they played one here in Wichita. So there's a lot of good. There are a lot of good programs around here. Uh, typically, you know, top 100 at least type programs. Now it's not quite the concentration you have down there in North Carolina, but uh, but there is good competition, and that's again that's the thing. They're willing to play. Uh, Creighton usually is good, and they've they've been willing to play since both schools left the Missouri Valley. Uh, Nebraska has played Wichita State at times. And so, uh, you know, that really helps when you can, when you can play a non-conference schedule that involves some games that are relatively easy driving distance, it's just a lot easier to put things together and it helps everybody's schedule. A moment ago, uh, Mike, you mentioned Peyton Tolley, um, one of the top two-way players in all of college baseball. He's a guy that's hitting well over 300, I think close to 320 now, eight bombs. And then on the mound, he has the six and one record. So, you know, tell us a little bit more about Peyton and all he brings to the table. Well, first of all, he's a big kid. He's 6'6", about 250 pounds, and he has really good natural raw power. It can really be an experience to watch him take batting practice sometimes. But last year, uh, the coaching staff was a little concerned about uh, you know, for a freshman, it might be too much to pitch and hit the same day. So he never hit on the days that he pitched. He was in the starting rotation and sometimes didn't even hit the day before he was going to pitch. And so he missed a lot of opportunities to bat last year. And Lauren Hibbs said this year, he's six, six and two fifty. I don't want him standing over there next to me in the dugout. So he's been in the lineup every day. He's DH'd every day that he's pitched. Up until the last two weekends, he was hitting over 600 on the days that he had pitched. Uh, that's cooled off a little bit the last couple of weeks, but he's been really steady on the mound. He, uh, you know, he's not overpowering, but he's 90-91. Uh, he's developed a, a pretty good breaking ball and changeup, and he's been very consistent. Now, last week at Tulane, he had by far his worst outing of the year. He only went four, gave up seven or eight runs, but... Typically, he's been very good, at least five innings and, and, you know, competitive games. And then at the plate, he'll have little stretches, you know, where he'll slump a little bit. But uh, he's been much better there this year than he was last year, too. Just more consistent and uh, not over swinging. He's got good power the other way. And so uh, he, he truly is a, a guy that can do a lot for you, both on the mound and at the plate. Mike, talk about the players. Uh, can you talk about more players uh, as far as the on the offensive side of the ball with the, the batters? Uh, what are some names that people need to watch out for? Well, Brock Rodden's the preseason player of the year in the conference, came in as a junior college transfer last year and just kept getting better and better. He ended up with 17 home runs. And this year he's got 12 already with at least 21 or 22 games still to play. 
and he's raised his batting average about 50 points. He's making really good adjustments uh, from at bat to at bat, sometimes even within the same at bat. He's gotten even, he was fine at second base last year, but he's gotten even better defensively. And this team is running more. Lauren's got him running a lot more than they did last year, and he's stealing some bases. So uh, I, I think he's got to be in the running for, for player of the year as he was projected to be. Chuck Ingram was all conference last year. Uh, he's still a little streaky at times, but his hot streaks are something else. And he's hitting 320, 325, uh, six home runs. He's leading off, but he's not a not a typical guy that you might see in the leadoff spot. He's got speed, but he'll strike out a little more sometimes than your, you know, maybe your ideal leadoff guy. And you might see him lower in the lineup with his power, but he's really comfortable hitting in that leadoff spot. And he's done a nice job there. Uh, guy that's really been a, a tremendous addition is Garrett Pennington, the first baseman. And he's a, a D2 guy. He was at Central Missouri and was a D2 All-American, and he has really made the adjustment to Division One, hitting in the 320s. He's got 10 home runs. has uh, been very solid, very consistent. Um, Mauricio Milan, the catcher, is another junior college tra- as a junior college transfer from El Paso, and he's been really good behind the plate and just really steady at the plate. He's on a 12-game hitting streak right now. He's had another 12-game hitting streak, and it isn't always spectacular, but just kind of his one hit every game. David Herring's another junior college transfer who's playing shortstop. Uh, just he's hit in uh, like 28 of his last 30 games. He just gets his one hit and sometimes more every day. So those have been some of the key guys. Sawyer Thornhill, who was a starter last year and one of the team's best hitters, uh, broke a bone in his hand and was out for a month. And so he's just getting back and getting healthy. And if they can get him going at his normal level, that really just helps boost the lower part of that batting order. Mike, as I look at this shocker lineup, I mean, obviously the power stands out and hit right at 50 home runs. We talked about six the other night against K-State and um, you know, slugging slugging right around 500. Um, I think, what, you know, 85, 90 doubles, somewhere in that neighborhood. But also the way they, they steal bases. And you think about the old – shocker teams that were so successful back in the Gene Stevenson era. You really stole a ton of bases. And uh, this year, Wichita State has 56. And, you know, on the other side, East Carolina, um, you know, Cliff Godwin always likes to hit and run, put runners in motion, but don't always necessarily, at least on the past, uh, haven't stolen a ton of bases. Um, But this year, um, the Pirates have stolen, I think, 46 bags. Well, that, you know, that's – that's been one of the areas that's really improved. And just a change in emphasis, uh, Eric Wedge wasn't big on running a lot. And uh, that's one of the things that Lauren Hibbs really believes in. And, you know, he played for Gene Stevenson. He was an assistant for Gene. He, he grew up in that philosophy. Uh, last year, they stole 36 bases. They were successful 63% of the time. This year, they've stolen, as you said, 56. They've been successful about 74% of the time. Uh, part of it's that they've added a couple of guys that can run. Uh, Kite McDonald, their leading base dealer, is really fast. He's a center fielder who was in uh, Mississippi State's program for a couple of years and then went to junior college. So, uh, you know, a couple, a couple of the, the additions have been guys that have added some stolen bases, but a lot of it is just that they are running more and, and doing those things you mentioned. They, they're doing the hit and runs more often. And, you know, once in a while you get somebody thrown out doing that, but you put a lot of pressure on the defense and can and force the defense into making some mistakes. 
No question about it. Uh, you were talking about the weather, uh, not bad. Uh, what are some things I uh, wanted to ask too? What are some things uh, for fans that are coming out to Wichita? Uh, what what are things that they can do around the, the town? <laughs> that's a that's a good question. I uh, since I live here, I don't get out all that much. There's a, a nice area downtown called Old Town that has a lot of restaurants and bars and and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, I, I guess uh, just do some good. They've got a really good zoo, but I just don't know how much uh, when you come to see a baseball series, how much time you have and how much you get out to do some other stuff. Uh, there's a little more stuff right close to the university that's just grown up in the last couple of years. I mean, just down the street, uh, half a block or so, there's a couple of restaurants and and that sort of thing. So uh, there's a little more right there close than there used to be. But uh some of that you'll just have to do a little search and exploring because uh, I don't I don't get around town that much anymore or see it from the perspective of, of visitors that often. Mike, shifting over in a, a few minutes ago, we talked about Peyton Tolley, uh, obviously one piece of that rotation. Uh, you also um, have it, Grant Adler and then – yeah, Grant Adler and then Clark Candiotti. So tell us about uh, Grant and Clark. You know, none of the three, Tolly, Adler, and Candiotti, are what you would call overpowering. None of them are mid-90s fastballs. None of them have that just killer slider. But they all are pretty good. They're all very competitive. They know how to pitch. And so that's been a huge change from the last two or three years. This program's really had trouble uh, arriving at consistent starting pitching, especially on the weekends. And... Uh, that group has really done a good job of giving them quality starts, keeping them in games, kind of going at least five or six every start and, and a reasonable number of runs and hits allowed. And so that's, that's been a real progression with this team this year is the starting pitching that they're getting. Now, last weekend, like I said, Tolly had his worst outing. Candiotti was not nearly as sharp as he usually is. He kind of battled it out, toughed it out through five and a third, and they ended up winning a high scoring game. But, uh, but that's been a real plus is the, the starting rotation and the job those guys have done. The, the big issue has been more developing some consistency in the bullpen. And there are some guys available with good arms, uh, but just getting the consistency to, to be as good as they can be. For most of the year, the, uh, the starting pitching has had about a three and a half to four ERA. And then the bullpen was over six. And that's been coming down a little. And a lot of times it wasn't even, say, one bad inning so much as just one bad pitch, hanging a breaking ball and getting a hit for a three-run homer or something. It just totally changed somebody's outing and totally changed the feel in a game. So uh, that's the biggest thing right now over the last four or five games. The bullpen's been doing a better job. you got some young guys like, uh, uh, well, Jace Miner is a sophomore left-hander who came in and threw four and a third hitless innings at Kansas State the other night in the middle of the game. But Robert Kranz is a right-hander who was here last year that uh, started out as a midweek starter. He's been in the bullpen since late last year. He's getting better and better. Uh, Nate Sneed's a freshman from Milwaukee who throws 95, and uh, they've been trying to develop him into you know the closer, that guy at the back end of the bullpen. Just hasn't been consistent enough to do that job you know, on a every every series, every game basis, but he's getting better and better. 
And then Caden Favors, a left-hander who was here last year, was really, really good early and kind of a middle-inning guy who could come in and give you three or four. And he struggled a little bit his last couple of times out. But uh, the potential is there to have a good enough bullpen to really give them a chance in any series or in the postseason tournament when they get there. Mike, can you talk about the defense as far as the infield and outfielders? It's been, uh, you know, it's been pretty good. The outfield defense actually has been very good. Uh, you've got some guys with range. You've got some good arms. Uh, that's been really solid. The infield defense has been a little more erratic, kind of on the left side. David Herring at shortstop uh, will make some really good plays, and then he'll make some errors on routine plays. Uh, a young man named Jack Little has been playing a lot at third base after Thornhill got hurt, and that's not really his natural position. Uh, he's done a good job. He's got a really good arm. He's made some plays there, but he's made a few errors. So uh, I, I would say, you know, you look at the numbers, the fielding percentage is not as good as it has been, but you have guys capable of making some really outstanding plays. We've had uh, had a lot of outstanding plays in the outfield. And so, uh, you know, I'd kind of give the, the, the defense overall a B or B plus maybe. It's, it's not quite where you want it to be as far as consistency, but it's not like they've given away a lot of runs either. Mike, as far as uh, the overall team, I know that uh, with the Americans, some people have said the American is down this year, but overall, I think uh, with our conference play, it's been nice to see a lot of wins outside of conference and uh, obviously I think uh, one of the great things about the league is it has a chance to be very competitive the weird thing is uh, outside of ECU there aren't any real good RPIs but uh, there there are still a lot of good teams in the league and and people that are capable of beating anybody on a on a given weekend I think the team that maybe is come on the most since conference play started is Houston. We've seen them play a three-game series with them. They are really talented. Uh, and once they got to conference play, you know, they beat the Pirates two out of three in the first series, and they've been playing yeah. pretty darn well ever since. And they're in second place, a game out of first. Uh, Wichita State plays them again down in Houston. That's the opponent that we're closest to geographically and play two series with under the current format. Uh, but that's a very good team. I, I think they've done enough to hurt themselves in their early non-conference schedule it would be tough for them to be an at-large postseason but uh, there are some there are some good teams and uh, you know Tulane's really struggling this year but they've got Carmouche on Friday who's one of the best starting pitchers in the league so uh, even the teams that are struggling a little bit have enough personnel to give anybody trouble and it, it does make for a very competitive race I mean you got a lot of teams jammed together there in the first four or five spots. And shifting over and uh, talking some basketball very quickly, uh, Mike, uh, obviously the administration there decided to go in a different direction and uh, bringing in Paul Mills, who had had so much success at Oral Roberts. So uh, that was, you know, you saw him his first couple seasons there, only won 11 games, but then year four, he took him to the Sweet 16, a very memorable run, and then this year won 30 games. So, um uh, what are the thoughts from the Shocker fan base of the hiring of Paul Mills? I think generally it, it was good to start with, and it's kind of growing. Um, 
you know, Isaac Brown did a lot of good things, and including, of course, his first year under difficult circumstances, taking over as the interim guy and winning the regular season title. But the standards have been really high here for a while, and it just uh, it didn't stay at that level. And so there was a real split in the fan base about, you know, where things were headed with men's basketball. And, uh, and so I think this change has a chance to unite people a little more again. And when you look, you mentioned what Coach Mills did at Earl Roberts. And when you look at what he accomplished there and the additional resources and support that he'll have at Wichita State compared to being there at ORU and, and of course, the, the step up in, in conference, it, uh, I think it's very promising. He's already made a couple of uh, promising signs out of the transfer portal. Uh, there'll be, you know, a fair amount of turnover again, which is kind of the nature of college sports now. But, uh, you know, I feel confident that he's going to upgrade the roster a little bit and uh, bring some elements maybe that they were missing. And I think people are going to be optimistic about the chances for success. No question about it. There's no, no doubt about it that Wichita State's, uh, how many fans do you guys average? That place look like, looks like it's rocking at, at the arena every night. You know, the weird thing is attendance has been down. And, you know, that started with COVID when nobody could come and a lot of people got out of the habit of coming. But uh, with the team not being quite as successful, it hasn't been 10,000 a game, but it's been 7,000, 7,500 every game. And they can still make a lot of noise in that place. So there were some games this year when the atmosphere was was really good and uh you know again i think it will it will get back to being more what it's been over the years but but like i say even with 7000 or 7500 which people consider a, a down crowd for wichita state there are a lot of big time programs around the country that would love to be drawing that every game hey bubba would you like to have 7500 at williams arena Oh yeah, of course we would. That'd be a pretty that would be like a sellout. It would be a full like, house on a nightly basis. But uh, the final thing I have for you, Mike, um, you know, we talk about the American, and you're losing um, what has been a fairly good program in UCF. Um, nothing like uh, Houston and Cincinnati, obviously, but the, the Knights have had some success under Johnny Dawkins and previously, but. Um, in Houston and Cincinnati, you're losing two household names that have won national championships, you know, and made deep NCAA runs on a fairly consistent basis. But then uh, this year, uh, you're you're gaining Florida Atlantic. Everyone's aware of the run they made to the Final Four, and then UAB's always solid. Uh, you have Charlotte, you know, who won the CBI, and um, and North Texas is always good. I mean, this team is really adding some uh, some nice basketball programs. I've you know I've really followed those other schools ever since that announcement was made about what was going to happen with the transition of this league. I've really followed those other programs and kept track of them. And you know my original thought was that you know obviously in losing Houston, you're you're losing what's been over the last few years one of the very best programs in the country, a true marquee program. And you won't really replace that. But then you look at what FAU did in the tournament this year. Uh, you're coming a little closer to that, at least right now, if they keep those guys uh, than what you thought we might have. But I think overall, the depth of quality in the league is going to be better. Um, 
you know, like you say, UCF's had some moments. They almost beat Duke in the tournament a few years ago. Cincinnati has that great tradition, but Cincinnati hasn't been quite what they were the last four or five years. And so you look at programs like Charlotte and UAB and North Texas and FAU coming in. Those are pretty good replacements for those two programs. And then I think the other thing that that needs to happen in the league. You know, you know, Memphis is going to continue to be strong. I think schools that have some history, recent history, like Wichita State and Temple and SMU need to get back to where they've been in some of those good years. And and I think it has a chance to be a, you know, a really, really good conference in a multiple bid league. And then, you know, we're talking about baseball. Uh, It will actually upgrade the league in baseball. I think, I mean, you look at uh, this year, you have ECU at nine or in the RPI and seven in the rankings this week. And then like the next three or four teams in the RPI would be all of those new members that are coming in. Uh, UTSA is having a really good year. Florida Atlantic, uh, Charlotte's good. Uh, Rice has been in the top 100 most of the year. So uh, I think you're, you're adding some good overall depth to the baseball competition as well. Yeah, no doubt, Mike. It's funny how uh, the people are talking. I've heard some saying the American would only be a one-bid league talking about basketball, and I was like, they obviously haven't done their homework, and like you said, the baseball is only going to get better, and it's great for the the teams like the Pirates and the Shockers who are already playing in the American. Yeah, I'm excited, and that, you know, of course for me, uh, it'll be fun to get to some new cities and see some new arenas and stadiums and so forth, but uh yeah, I, I uh, in this changing landscape of college athletics, people jump in conferences and the the portal and the NIL and all that. I, I think that uh, it's just something that you have to deal with and weather and and make some adjustments. And I, I think the league's done a good job in the members that they're adding. And and uh, I think it could be a very exciting race in a lot of sports next year. No doubt, Mike. Thank you so much for your time can you let everybody before we let you go how people can listen to your your work this weekend uh, with the shockers there's a link at uh, goshockers.com that's wichita state's uh, you know official website and if you go to the schedule there'll be a link on there where you can listen and uh that that's the easiest way to get to it that's a real simple way to connect all right mike thank you so much we appreciate you and uh we hope to see I'm actually coming. This is my first trip to Clearwater, so I hope to get a chance to meet you in person. And uh, uh, Yeah, absolutely. Be sure to say hello. I look forward to seeing you face-to-face. All right. Thank you, sir. And uh, we'll talk to you. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. All right, take care. All right. See you later. Bye-bye. All right, we are switched from East Carolina, uh, taking on the Shockers. And now Bubba, a dear friend of mine I've known for, he's put up with me for at least 20 years. Yeah, uh, had this gentleman on the show before, and now looking forward to talking East Carolina baseball, pirate football. I'm sure we'll talk some some hoops, and not only East Carolina, but otherwise. Welcome back into the show, Riverside High School head men's basketball coach, Bobby Williams. Coach, we appreciate your time. Good evening, guys. Hope you guys are doing well. Good to see you. How you doing? Yeah, hopefully it'll be uh, Alexander's future coach. Uh, my son is playing travel basketball now. And uh, at baseball, Bobby, at the same time, two sports at once. It's uh, 
and my daughter's out here playing softball at the moment, so I'm a busy guy. I, I know the feeling. I know the feeling for sure. Uh, been doing that for about uh, 18, 19 years. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, uh, Bobby, I know that you've uh, been coaching uh, for a long time, and uh, I know you said baseball, you took a break this year, right? I am. I'm actually, I am actually taking a break this year. Uh, just uh, school year, school, school teaching right now, and uh, basketball, and it was just a point that I, I let Coach Harmon know back at the beginning that I needed a little break. So I'm actually getting home a little bit earlier in the afternoons. Uh, some days, uh, I'm actually in the gym right now. Our seventh graders are in the gym preparing for their weekend of AAU basketball, but I am getting a little rest. Uh, let's let's talk about that. Uh, certainly, I know with uh, with basketball, you've been coaching. How long have you been coaching? I, I know you were coaching way back when I first met you. It was Williamston Middle, downtown Williamston, and now Riverside. Uh, how long have you been coaching at the high school? Uh, this will be. This was the. Excuse me. This was the fourteenth year. Well, my my first year was our, the last year that we were Williamston High School before Martin County consolidated yeah. from four to two. So, all right, you've had some nice uh, success there, and I know, uh, like I said, hopefully you'll you've been coaching. I hope that you started out very young. I hope you'll continue to be there to coach when my son comes up. You've got a, a great group of guys coming up in the uh, they're in the fourth grade now, fourth and fifth grade. Uh, you got some. Uh, I'm, I know that sounds like I'm biased, but there are a lot of good kids yeah. coming up. Yeah, we have our, our young, our young groups. Obviously, I, I, I don't really know uh, that 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 age yet. But as I said, uh, the sixth graders have been coming in my gym quite a bit lately. The seventh graders are in there right now. So, uh, knock on wood, we'll see if I can make it that long, and we'll see what happens. No question. Let's talk about some pirates. I know I saw you at the. Uh, the game, I believe, was on Sunday. The Pirates have nine in a row in baseball. Uh, just want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, they're playing. We had, as you know, uh, Mike Kennedy, the play-by-play voice of the Wichita State Shockers. How are you feeling about our Pirates? Uh, things are going well right now. I love, obviously love the the Friday, Saturday, Sunday starting pitching. Uh, we're hitting it well at times, it seems. Uh, just uh, hope we can keep it together. And um, as the weather warms up, the bats warm up. And look like we had a good night last night. I watched most of it online. So excited about it. It's, it's, it's time, to, time to get to Omaha. Yeah, I was there last night at Truist Field, a beautiful ballpark in downtown Charlotte, just a few blocks from Bank of America Stadium. But uh, you know, Pirate Nation showed up in a big way last night, as I'm sure you saw, and I believe – the commentators discussed online uh, on the ESPN Plus broadcast, that is. And uh, that that showing, I mean, you know, obviously I know we're ranked seventh in the country, and you know, we've, but we've always had a strong baseball following, and now folks are going to come out even more when, you, when you've had the success that this program has had in the Cliff Godwin era, you know, especially over these last three or four years and with the hosting of regionals and back-to-back-to-back you know, back to back super regionals. But uh, – you know, it's almost to the point I was thinking about this. Uh, I, obviously, um, it's not going to have to happen. But, I mean, no matter where we play in this state, uh, our fans show up in, in mass. 
Pirate Nation travels. Pirate Nation uh, gets behind the programs uh, without a doubt. I mean, it's been obviously Greenville a baseball town. I mean, when I first arrived in Greenville, Coach Overton was the coach. And, you know, I remember going to away games during those early years. And Pirate, Pirate Nation travels well, especially uh, this time of year when things are going well. It makes it even better, obviously. But uh, it looked like the, the, uh, the Pirate crowd was there last night for sure. And Bobby, I don't know. And Bobby and Bubba, I don't know if you all heard, but uh, good news. If you love summer league games like I do, college baseball, Greenville, I've been saying this for years, Greenville is going to get a CPL team in 2024. Um, so it's going to be at Guy Smith Stadium that was announced today. So I heard about that. So uh, very exciting for if you love the college summer league teams like I do, especially CPL is one of the best in the whole country. Absolutely. Give a, give a place to, to see some of the other college guys and an opportunity for the East Carolina guys, maybe a few of them to stay home, uh, obviously probably while they're in summer school, but but that will be interesting to see how that works out. And shifting over, uh, talking some, some basketball, I know you had the opportunity, as you uh, so often do, to attend a Final Four. I went out to Houston, and as I told you on social media, uh, when we were DMing back and forth for a moment there, um, just – what what a weekend for you! You had the chance to watch the Pirates play Houston in in baseball, uh, watch the Final Four, and then uh, I know also catch some other games over your spring break. Uh, the, the spring break, the Final Four trip this year was was awesome. Uh, Houston, probably not one of my favorite cities that I've attended. Uh, this was my tenth Final Four. Um, go was a part of the National Basketball Coaches Association. And I tell people all the time that, you know, that seeing the semifinal games and the national championship game, uh, those things are great. But all the other events that go on, you know, just walking from one motel to the other and, and seeing basketball coaches from all levels and, and creating relationships with those guys and those type things. But uh, this year was something, got an opportunity to see an, an NBA game Got an opportunity to see opening day, the Astros and the White Sox. Uh, saw East Carolina and Houston on Friday night uh, for about seven innings before going to the NBA game. And then got back out there on Sunday afternoon and then went over from that over to um, they have concerts. Uh, the big concert this year was Tim McGraw and Keith Urban, if you're a country music fan. So did a little bit of everything. Had a great time. Man, did you have time to sleep there, Bobby? Uh, that that wasn't what the trip was about. I had, I had to come back. Luckily, it was it was a weird this year because it was um, I basically arrived on Wednesday before the Final Four started on Saturday. The convention starts on Thursday. I came back on Tuesday, so I got back to school on Wednesday and Thursday, and then we started spring break. So I used my spring break to catch up a little bit. That's you. Good. While you were there on the University of Houston campus, I know you tweeted a picture of this, uh, is, is, and that is obviously the Cougs are making that transition to the Big 12, and uh, they already have plenty of signage up, right? Yeah, they look like they're excited about that. That, that was fairly interesting. As I, as I got out of my Uber ride and pulled up in the parking lot, the first thing I see there on the face of the windows, uh, a big old Big 12 sign, and I'm like, uh, aren't these guys still in our conference? So, so that was pretty funny. Yeah, they've been doing that, Bubba. You remember that uh, 
guys a couple years ago, one a year or so ago, they they actually had Big Twelve uh, flags uh, <laughs> as soon as they made that announcement at, at a football game. So uh, hey, that I can't, me I, personally, all. I can't blame them, Dave. You know, I mean, it, as long as as long as it's something that uh, you know is not gonna you know you know, result in a ton of a negative backlash from the conference you're in. I mean, you can't, uh, and when I no say doubt. that, yeah, I mean, you can't blame them. I mean, I, I would hope that, you know, if East Carolina had been fortunate enough to be in that situation, we'd be doing the same thing. Yeah. And that's and, the, uh, that's uh, the nature of athletics now exactly. at, at the NCAA level. Yeah, and maybe one day, who knows? Uh, Bobby's crazy with realignment. Uh, we can talk about that another time, but uh, maybe East Carolina uh, will uh, be there. Who knows? Uh, that's what's crazy. Uh, it's more than the excitement. It seems to be more off the field than on the field with all the crazy uh, teams moving around. But, Bobby, I wanted to ask you about being the great basketball coach that you are in Coach Period. Uh, what were your thoughts on Coach Schwartz uh, first year? Thought he did well, and uh, his recruiting has, uh, I think, been good. But I just want to get your take because you're you're inside that world. Absolutely, very excited from what I've saw. Uh, my my I attended most of the home games. Obviously, it's during the middle of my season, so you know if we're not playing, I'm usually there for most of the home games. I didn't get to a ton of practices this year. I've had that opportunity in the past, but the the, the effort, uh, the defensive end of the floor, especially uh, the recruiting that they're after right now. I mean, I love the kid that's coming from Southern Nash, uh, Jordan Vick. We had an opportunity to play those guys this year and have played them the last couple of summers. Uh, great young man coming from a, a great program with another former pirate, Robbie Kennedy, coaches him over there. So I'm excited about the direction the program's headed. Now, obviously, you lose a point guard in Javon Small, but um, you know, they're late in the season. You, know, you receive some tremendous minutes, and, and I say minutes. I mean, he was playing every minute of every game. That's Jaden Walker. Jayden. I mean, he, he was uh, – he really – upped his level of play the second half of the season um, against a better competition. And uh, with him, R.J. Felton, um, Quentin DeBunge, obviously Brandon Johnson, uh, Ezra Saar, you have a, a very good nucleus returning. And then you have um, you have uh, Bobby Pettiford Jr. coming in from Kansas. And I, I thought about um, Bobby just because you mentioned Vic from Southern Nash. I know um, – I know Bobby Pettiford was really South Yes. Also, yeah, a guy that's there from pretty much the eastern part of the state or close to it. And he was talking about um, Jordan Vick and singing his praises on social media. We got it. We got to keep those. We got to keep those eastern North Carolina kids at home. I mean, obviously, we all know the. Uh, being able to recruit for basketball at East Carolina is a challenge. I mean, I've heard some of the former coaches say before things that, you know, we can be recruiting a kid in basketball from his freshman and sophomore year and and think we have her in a good position. And then, you know, an ACC school loses somebody late in the recruiting process and all of a sudden they have a spot. So hopefully with what, what coaches build in, we'll be able to change that a little bit, make it a – a place the kids want to come to and go from there. 
Bobby, what do you what do you see as far as being a basketball coach? Uh, I like what John Gilbert and Ryan Robinson. And by the way, I will give a plug uh, for Pirates Unite. Uh, they're doing the nice renovations to Williams Arena. When I graduated in 95, they were making those major renovations back in the day. Uh, what, what was Menji's Coliseum became Williams Arena at <laughs> Menji's Coliseum. But what do you what do you see for upgrades? How can we get more fans? Obviously, we know about winning, but even before the winning, how can we get more people there? Uh, obviously, you, I mean, you said it, the winning and just get a just get a tradition of of playing hard and that type thing. Get some of these Eastern North Carolina kids in there, and you know, give give these small communities uh, a chance to get over there and see their guy. And just and just it's gonna be a it's gonna be a process, but I think we've started that in in the right direction again. You know, speaking of which, you make a great point there, Bobby, with uh, my my Maya Joiner being for Farble. Uh, they had games. I was there, the women's games. That's the most women's games I've ever been to in a season. Uh, usually I might catch a game or two, but went to a lot this year. And having they they had a lot of people. It, sometimes it would be up to 2,000 people for a women's game. And, and a lot of that had to do with uh, players like Amaya Joyner that's right down the road. No doubt. No doubt at all. People people want to support the, the folks they watched in high school. And uh, – and hopefully, again, that will that will take off. We talk about Jordan Vick, another young man from the eastern part of the state. Uh, you know how I was haven't seen a ton of film, and certainly have not seen him in person. But the, the little film I have seen, very impressed with the athleticism of Takori Faison from Goldsboro. So um, tell us what you can about Takori, because I'm sure you're certainly a little more familiar with him than either of us. I've, I've seen him. I've seen him a few times. I think I went over. I actually went over and watched one of their uh, late state tournament games. I think when they were playing Hertford County. Obviously, very athletic. Uh, again, stepping in to the to the college level for any of these freshmen, you know, and how they pick up things. You know, I don't know how they adjust to things, how they accept coaching. Again. Um, I know a little more of Vic because of I know his high, his high school coach, and I know that he's been taught well. So, you know, there's a lot of things that go into it. You know, a lot of times fans and people sit in the stands, why why is he not playing? Why is this guy not playing well? You know, he might not do what he needs to do in practice. He might not be a very good practice player. So that goes a long way, especially for freshmen adjusting from high school to college. Bobby, I want to talk big picture here with you. I uh, announced this week the the North Carolina High School Athletic Association uh, increasing the classifications all the way from we had, I know 4A was uh, last voted on like 1969 or a, we've had that that classifications 1A to 4A now up to 7A. I just want to get your thoughts on that and also heard that for example, charter schools, whatever division they would be in, they would have to play up a level uh, going into, I guess, the playoffs? Uh, not quite yet on that last part. So far, okay. obviously, there was, a, there was a vote among the principals and athletic directors, and that was to make an amendment to what we had. Uh, so the plan right now is to basically have about 64 schools per, per class, Starting with your smallest 64 will be your 1A and build your way up. Uh, and but 
uh, the time all this was going on, all of a sudden the state legislation came out with another amendment. And what they were originally wanting was to keep it at four classes and go from there. But now the word is that they're going to kind of take that away. They're going to agree with the seven classes. And then there's the part now about possibly of moving the charter schools and the parochial schools, basically any school with a, an open enrollment, uh, moving them up in a class, which would basically, if we keep it seven right now, here at Riverside, we've got about 440, 450 students. If we keep it 7A, one through 7A, with everything, with no special rules or whatnot, Riverside will be a 2A school. Right. And they, but if you move the charter schools up, which most of those are the size of 1A schools, if you remove them up, they would go 2A, and Riverside and a few others in eastern North Carolina would go back down to 1A. So it's a little, you know, competitive balance-wise. I mean, we could sit here and we could – we don't have two days for me to talk about the situation competitive balance-wise. I mean – all our kids come from about five miles of my front door in a rural county, and I've been beat in the Eastern Finals by big by big city charter schools because they were our size, you know. And it's just that's a whole different can of worms. Yeah, me personally, I'll tell you my opinion, Bobby, is I want to see a special classification. I would like to see if charter schools have their own classification. They play. That's what I would like to see. I think that they. Uh, if uh, right now, for example, right now, if you were to recruit people outside the county, then those those players would be ineligible, right? Uh, yes, sir. Well, obviously, you have to, to, to attend, say, most schools, you have to uh, live in the attendance boundaries. You know, and we have a boundary. I mean, I live in Greenville and drive here every day, and I six, seven miles down the road before I get here, I'm in South Creek High School's boundary. You know, right. two or three years ago, there's a six, six kid standing out there by the road and I'm watching him get on the bus every day. But he doesn't live in my boundary, <laughs> you know, yeah. whereas an open enrollment school, they can get kids from a lot larger boundary. I think it's 25 miles is what it's supposed to be. Right. You know, I mean, some of these schools have kids from two or three counties. Right. So, a little different. Yeah. <laughs> No doubt about it, but hopefully uh, I'm glad to finally see that because uh, we in North Carolina are what the ninth largest state as far as population is concerned and maybe at some point in the eighth largest with population. And it's, it's been time for, I know a lot of people don't like change and I, I don't like change, but when it comes to population, it's getting to the point. And I know, uh, Bobby, you know this too, that the eastern part of the state, we don't have big 4A's schools, um, but you look at Charlotte and some of the metropolitan areas where Bubba is, um, they've got like Myers Park has, uh, 3, I think they're rolling a 3,600 or something. Yes, sir. Uh, obviously, a much bigger schools in that area. It, it's kind of interesting. It, it's going to bring everybody a little bit closer together. But as I said, the plan is to, you know, the 64 smallest and then build yourself up. When you get up to this, we get, get up to what's written down as the possible 7A. You still got schools with 1,900 to 2,000, and they're still in the 7A with a with a Myers Park at 3,600. You know things like that. There's still a big wide range, but it's get it's getting better for sure. 
no doubt about it. As far as uh, as far as pirate football goes, we just had the spring football game. Uh, looks like uh, there may be a quarterback controversy with Alex Flynn and and Mason Garcia with Holton Naylor's. Hopefully, we'll see him next Thursday night, Bobby, or or not next Thursday night. That would be great. That would be a miracle. But uh, next weekend with uh, Holton Naylor's getting drafted. But I just want to get your thoughts on pirate football and. I'm a big fan of Coach Houston. Just want to see what your thoughts are there for football. I like the direction that program is going as well. Obviously, uh, again, probably going to have the quarterback controversy. Um, see how that works itself out. Uh, and I've heard talk is still looking in the transfer portal for that as well. So, again, with this transfer portal and NIL and all that type stuff, college college athletics is just – it's a mess right now to me. I'm not a big fan of it. No question about it, Bobby. I mean, when you look at, uh, for example, I'll say again, Pirates Unite campaign, make sure people get involved in that. Join the Pirate Club. You have uh, with the Pirates Unite. What If you don't know what I'm talking about, most likely people listening or watching this show will know what I'm talking about. But it's the yes, capital, sir, came, yeah, capital campaign improvement. Uh, we're doing $60 million uh, baseball. We have the indoor practice facility that's been desperately needed for several years now. Um, obviously, with the uh, team building expansion, there's five different projects. Menji's renovations, where they're going to have the seats. Uh, I like that idea, Bobby. You, I guess yes, uh, I know you're, you're such a rich teacher. Teachers get paid <laughs> so much money in the state of North Carolina. Without a doubt. Be able to afford <laughs> You're going to be able to afford those really premium seats, right, down in the court? Yes, sir, without a doubt. I'll be right up front waiting. All right. <laughs> uh, no doubt about it. And uh, we're going to – we're looking forward to that. And I, also, Bobby, I didn't know if you – you probably know this, that they had a – the lighting system is so ancient, uh, they had to get a computer from a guy from Ohio, and so they're going to upgrade that. It was Windows 95. So I hadn't heard about Windows 95 in years, but – um, thank God that uh, our AD and our athletic administration is upgrading that because there was a game where they couldn't turn the lights off because they wouldn't be able to get them back on. Go back on for the line, for the starting lineups. Yes, sir. Well, that goes back to that old Minji's we were talking about when it was a when it was a high school high school gym when we got there. That that's right. What year did you graduate, Bobby? I've never asked you that. I I graduated in December of '97. So you're right there with me. Okay. I graduated summer of 95, so we're right there, uh, right there along. So it's uh, definitely a lot of changes and changes for the good, and hopefully people will give more money. Like I said, we've got to raise more money to uh, hate the – it's a cliche, but keep up with the Joneses. Just like you said, indoor, we've got to have the facilities. We've got to have uh, the transfer portal. You have the NIL. It's been really, like you said, the Wild Wild West. Yes, sir, without a doubt. And once you get it upgraded and then it's time to start trying to raise to upgrade it the next time. Yeah, Bobby, uh, Wayland Summerlin was saying it was glad to see the North Carolina House address the gender issue where you'll play, uh, what your DNA was at birth, helping support the ladies sports. Uh, yes, sir. I'm not as much familiar with that one, but uh, I think that's going in the right direction as well. Uh Again, they're, they're in the process. Uh, the, the, the legislation wanting to get involved with the high school athletics, which is, 
I'm not a big fan of that. I mean, we all have things we don't like that that Q Tucker and their staff does, but they've been around it long enough to to know what we should be doing. No doubt about it. And hopefully, uh, I tell you the when it comes to obviously, I know I'm biased too because uh, I know that I've coached, you coach, Bubba's coach, so. Uh, coaches don't get paid a lot of money, um, and so hopefully we can do more for our coaches. And also, with uh, I'm biased too because my kids are playing a lot of sports, and it won't be long. It'll be four years or five years, depending on if you're talking about my son or daughter, and they'll be they'll be high school age. So it won't be long, but um, Bobby, and they'll be right there with you. Sounds sounds good. You you as we tell all parents, enjoy it. <laughs> Let them have fun. Let them play as as much as they, as many sports as they can. Uh, again, especially in a in a small community where you're from, in a small community where I coach. I mean, ninety percent of my basketball players play two, and probably eighty percent, seventy five percent play three sports. It's it's what we had to have. That that's my thing, uh, Bobby. I want to get your opinion. I think I already know your answer, but I'll ask you anyway because I have parents that think I'm crazy because you know Alex is so good with basketball why in the world won't you just let him play just basketball I think he needs to focus on basketball and I said well what you don't understand is I'm from a small town of 5,200 people 26,000 in the whole county and if my son and every kid takes that approach of one sport we would be losing a lot of sports We, we, we wouldn't have enough we wouldn't have teams They'll have an opportunity when they get when when they get older to to you know to decide. But at, at fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, and um, even early ninth, grade of high school, you know, experience it. You can learn something uh, from the different coaches, obviously. And and I, I honestly, in my basketball program this year, there were twenty one kids, and as I said, ninety five percent of them play two and three sports, and the things that they learn. I mean, we have our best years when they're coming off great years in football. And when we have good years in basketball, they tend to have great years in baseball. So it's just let the young people enjoy it. Let them work ways out to get to where they need to get and go from there. Specializing, we don't need that. Right. And it it can also uh, work against you because you can actually – be lazy and the only time that you're working on your academics or uh, working on working out, so to speak, is is that one sport you're playing. And uh, also, uh, you being if you and Bubba are physical education guys, not me, but I'm smart enough to know that you're, you're using different muscles, right? You're using different probably muscles you don't even realize that you have uh, playing different sports. Without a doubt, and you know, uh, the more they're doing, the more that body parts obviously are using. Uh, this day and age, uh, the physical education teaching is has become different. I mean, we all had the the the, 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 the half a year, the year out with the COVID and this, that, and the other. Our kids need to be get out and do things. Kids that aren't even involved with athletics, they need to to be out getting their exercise and and staying staying busy. Uh, one thing before I forget too, talk about your basketball players. I know you got guys that have uh, done very well this year that you've been, uh, I know, mentioning on social media. I've seen like on Twitter. Can you talk about that? 
Uh, we have a couple guys that had a, an outstanding year. Uh, probably my um, my best player currently uh, is a junior uh, junior guard, Tyler Whitehurst. Uh, yeah. Tyler Tyler is probably actually what is it about seven fifteen. Uh, Tyler's on the plane right now, heading out to Omaha, Nebraska for the weekend. Uh, this is uh, the first weekend of the live period, which is where Division One coaches can attend games. Uh, Tyler plays with a group, the Warriors Life Elite Group, that is uh, sponsored by Dayron Sharp, former South Central player. Yep. And uh, they, they play on the Adidas circuit. Uh, so he's got a big weekend ahead. He's, he's had a great spring so far. Um, getting recognition. Um, Tyler for us was, I think he finished as the second leading scorer in 1A basketball, averaged about 26 a game. Uh, has an opportunity to be uh, to be special. Right now getting fairly heavy Division II looks. Uh, we're hoping he'll hit a little bit of a growth spurt and that will change things a little bit, but this summer's huge for Tyler. Hey, Coach Schwartz, we got a great player right down the road from Greenville. They've received some emails. Okay. <laughs> Bubba, I think you want to chime in? Maybe Somebody's we'll get... at the ballpark. Yeah, it's me. It's uh, My daughter's got a softball practice. I'm trying to multitask. But Bubba, uh, when you're ready, chime in and let me know. But uh, Bobby, I know with uh, you were talking about the basketball uh, one thing that uh, is for sure with uh, our hometown, with uh, well, my hometown, is, with Williamston, is uh, people take our sports very seriously. They do. They uh, they do. They love their sports. Uh, and supporting uh, Riverside High School, Williamston High, uh, even the other schools in the county, uh, sports is a big thing, and that's that's big for the kids, knowing that they have the support. Uh, no one, there's again, many nights that we go on the road and we have just as many folks there as, as the home team. And, uh, we, we love that. We want that to keep that going. Obviously, again, a little bit since the COVID crowds at all high school sports have, have come down a little bit for, but hopefully we're getting that back. Bobby, another thing I saw today on Twitter is the fact that the House, uh, the legislature in North Carolina actually going to have where you can uh, pay money, pay cash. I thought that we were trying to get away from that because of COVID. I don't know with uh, that we have online sales or using your debit card, but do you know about that? Uh, yeah, I know there was some th- there was some complaints across different parts of the state about only being able to pay online. Uh, here at Riverside uh, for this this school year that we're currently in right now, uh, we've had an online option where you could buy your ticket, your ticket ahead of time, and we just basically scan your phone when you come by. You hold it up to the to the reader. Oh, but we also obviously have cash entry as well. I mean, the complaint I think that some folks were having about it is obviously that a lot of older people they don't have the technology and they don't have the ways to do that type of stuff. I can understand that, but we've tried to to make it work for whoever. Sounds good. Johnny Gardner, let's see if I can put that up on the screen. Uh, he actually says, oh, sorry, wrong. Uh, who's the second player you mentioned, Coach, from your squad? Uh, well, my second basketball player this uh, this year is probably Shamir Bassnight. 
Uh, oh, yeah. And he is actually a young man that is probably going to be playing uh, CIAA football. He was a, a thousand yard rusher the last couple of years. And again, kind of going back on that to my comment a little bit earlier, uh, a large percentage of my kids are, again, three sport guys. You had Shamir, uh, we call him Jai. He is he's great. Probably college, he's probably a college football kid. I uh, had a young man starting for me, Jiren Harrell, which is a three-sport guy. He'll probably be a, a college baseball player, probably at the CIAA level again. Uh, Taquan Bunch, state long jump champion. That's four of my starters this past season right there. One One's best sport basketball, one's best sport was football, one best sport's track, and one best sport baseball. That's That's small school life there. No about it. In fact, uh, I I grew up with guys that they played uh, three sports under, like you know Coach Robinson and you know like Coach Gilmore, who you guys honored. I know this year. I hate that. Uh, what's tough is when I'm trying to support my alma mater in high school, and obviously I've got to be there for my kids' games at the same time. Yeah, we've tried to do a little bit of that this year. Honor some of the past greats. Uh, next uh, Monday night, uh, they're having Dink Meals Night. At the baseball game, you guys may be familiar. Obviously, you are Dave with Coach Meals. Oh yeah, and all the things so that that's coming up next week. That's awesome. I'll try to see. I think I'm off that night as far as not having any practices, so I can literally I'm like three blocks from the from the baseball field. <laughs> so yes, sir. Uh, I definitely have to check that out, Bobby. Before we let you go, how can people stay in touch with? You, I know that uh, Bubba is uh, having technical difficulties in a bad area. We tease him about his internet, but it's actually a bad cell area where he can't comment. So I was wondering, I know that he knows you very well, and he's obviously well-versed on sports, especially high school sports. So I knew there had to be something going on there. But uh, how can people get stay in contact with you? Uh, uh, on the Twitter world, we ha- have a, a Twitter that primarily I use to – to promote our kids, obviously, at Riverside HSBB. Uh, that's that's the best way. Um, use that to promote our kids. Use that to communicate with the college coaches. But I put a little bit of personal stuff occasionally. You had a that's where Bubba was watching all my things from my trip, probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think he's available now. Let's see if we Bubba, are you there? I am. Uh, I, I was actually gonna. Revert back to uh, you talk about having been to at least 10 Final Fours. What are some of your top memories? I know you said this year as far as the venue is probably one of your least favorite, if not your least favorite. But, uh, you know, what are some of your top memories from from the standpoint of venues and also matchups? Um, obviously, probably uh, my best, my favorite city uh, when it's in Indianapolis, when it's in Indianapolis, uh, Indiana, that's one of the best setups. Because what, what I base a lot of that on is, obviously, like I said, I'm there for the National Basketball Coaches Convention. So you've got the convention in one spot. They'll have seven or eight hotels, mainly where, they, where the coaches stay. That's right together. It's a short walk to where the Colts play uh, to the stadium. One of the big things in Houston this year is that we were downtown, the middle of downtown Houston for the convention and those things. 
And then you had to get on the train or Uber ride and go 35 minutes out to the Texans facility, uh, NRG, where they're playing the game. So that was just a little bit much. Houston was just a little bit spread out. But Indianapolis was one of my favorites. San Antonio, Texas, probably right up there. Uh, but anywhere that you can get there and, and pretty much walk. I took more Uber rides in Houston this year than, than I've ever taken. Well, I know that's got to be tough, and uh, those are not cheap, especially if you're in the big <laughs> city like uh, Houston, my friend. And, and then they upcharge it because, obviously, everybody's in town doing that. But it's, it's part of it. That's right. It's a tough life. I've always – Bobby, you know I'm a huge basketball guy. I always wanted to go – and Bubba is too. I know uh, we've always – in fact, he said, man, Bobby's in the fi- at the Final Four. I think he goes every year. So uh, now we know it's... why with the co- – Yes, sir. The coaches' convention, and it's kind of, it's kind of, it's it's my it's it's my summer vacation. In the summertime, with high school athletics, we're still practicing, we're still playing. Don't get a, a lot of time away, and up until now, coaching two sports and helping out with everything else as much as you can. It it's kind of my getaway every year. That as I again I say, uh, the games and things are great, but all the other stuff that goes on chance to get away and, and relax a little bit. No doubt. Well, thank you, Bobby. Personally, I can say thank you for all you do for for Martin County and obviously uh, Riverside and uh, Williamson uh, means a lot. Uh, I've known you for a long time. Great guy. And um, I'm glad that you went to the right school with uh, East Carolina. Appreciate all you do. And I know it won't be long and and uh, football season will be around the corner and um, basketball. And I know baseball, like you said, is still going on right now for Riverside. Yes, sir. They're, they're, they're doing well. Had a big win on Tuesday night. They have a big conference game tomorrow night with Bequimans. Uh We're starting a, a very young group in baseball that got, us, got a chance to get us back to, to where we belong. That's right. Winning state championships. Bobby, thank you so much. I uh, enjoyed the visit, my friend. And, uh, Looking forward to, in a few years, uh, hopefully you'll take care of my, my two. Sounds great. I appreciate it, All guys. Right. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. I right, hope you have a great night. Thank you. Yes. All right. Appreciate Bobby. Uh, Bobby does a lot. He, he's very humble. Um, Bubba, he does, he's like you. He does a lot for the athletic program at Riverside. And great to have him on. And obviously great to have him as a pirate, uh, no doubt about it for sure. One of our fans, uh, don't, uh, hey, Bubba, want to remind people to get their season tickets for football, right? Yep. Um, as of a couple weeks ago, I actually about a week ago, um, had eclipsed the 12,000 mark, and uh, that was ahead of the 2022 pace. So things are heading in the right direction. Uh, let's top 16. And uh, it's definitely an attainable goal. And I, I think Pirate Nation will step up and get it done. 1-800-DOWL-ECU or ECUPirates.com. And, uh, you know, in, maybe you know a Pirate fan that, that attends a game or two a year. Uh, you know, encourage them to, you know, if nothing else, maybe buy a couple season tickets in the, in the economy fan zone uh, section in the upper deck. And 
and um, do what they can to support the program. And then if they can't attend, they can always um, do what they can to unload those tickets. No doubt, Bubba. There, uh, there's not a bad seat at Dowdy Ficklin. I've sat in um, probably uh, not every section, but uh, I've sat in a lot of different sections and Dowdy Ficklin, including several games in the upper deck, and there's not a bad seat that I've ever been in. Yeah, uh, I had uh, not sat in the upper deck a ton uh, prior to the 2021 season. Um, you know, I've been there a handful of games, just kind of going back to the Logan years. I remember I was up there for William & Mary, Louisville, different games uh, in uh, 2001. But uh, and those were during my college years where did not have season tickets because of uh, me playing elsewhere and just kind of went to a game or two a year uh, when when um, my school had a had an open date and so forth. But but uh, yeah, really enjoyed having my season tickets up there. Um, and, and like you said, it's a different perspective, but not a bad perspective at all. But um, yeah. I, I know there aren't any household names on the schedule this year. You know, as far as uh, Virginia Tech and NC State, North Carolina, West Virginia, but it isn't um, it isn't uh, that bad of a home schedule. Um, I think we'll see uh, how Tulsa does under their first year head coach uh, Wilson. Uh, he's someone that had some success at. Indiana and actually was a candidate for our job at one point in time, but uh, obviously that didn't that didn't pan out. Maybe even a, a couple of occasions, but it will be uh, you know very interesting to see how things go um, with, with a, a lot of new a lot of new pieces, but also a lot of experience and depth returning in spots. So I think you know I think. Um, the success will continue. Uh, I think we'll certainly go bowling again, and uh, just a matter of you know how the quarterback position and you know, a few others step up, whether we're in the running for an AAC title or not. Hey, Bubba, let's make Coleman Spain and staff—they do an excellent job. And I told Coleman that they uh, they have a thankless job. Uh, they do wonder uh, wonderful things, and uh, it's a lot harder than what people think that job is. Give them a call. Let's make their job difficult. We're a whole bunch of, they're having to take a whole bunch of orders. 1-800-DIAL-ECU. And you can also go to ecupirates.com. You can join the Pirate Club. You can get your tickets. And Bubba helped me out. I finally learned how to transfer tickets. I can do that now. A lot of cool things on our website at ecupirates.com. Bubba, really excited about that. And uh, by the way, get your tickets uh, for uh, EC baseball. Let's uh there are people that as far as single-game tickets. Uh, maybe there's some out in the jungle, the secondary market, but let's have that place packed next weekend. I believe it's Tulane, right, Bubba? Yeah, Tulane, and then you also have a series remaining against Memphis, midweek games, North Carolina, Campbell. Uh, I may be leaving one out, but you at least have those eight games left and uh, obviously have only lost two up to this point, Long Beach State and UNC Wilmington. Yep. So, um, you know, really taking care of business at Clark LeClaire, and let, let's hope we let's hope we do so on the road this weekend out at Wichita State. Remember, extra innings on Sunday night, and uh, we'll take a look back at the Charlotte game 
and then also on the three-game series with the Shockers as the Pirates can hopefully you know, extend their lead in the American. No doubt, and don't forget about um, absolute empowerment, right, with Coach Connors. Yeah, absolute empowerment on Coach Connors. And in the next couple days, you know, next couple weeks, rather, uh, he will have some tremendous guests coming on uh, his program. So you'll definitely want to stay tuned for that. Um, but a lot of his conversations in the past, the great thing about Coach Connors' show is very rarely is it uh, something that's current. It's evergreen content, as we say, and uh, it's – whether it's now or two months from now or two years from now, it's, a, it's an excellent conversation, be it with former Pirates or, you know, he's had the, the former general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers on. And, you know, a, a lot of tremendous coaches, uh, you know, motivational speakers and so on. No doubt. Check that out. And, uh, by the way, fans, before we let you go, we're going to get out of here. Please uh, go and check out our content. You can uh, – Subscribe to our YouTube channel and like our Facebook page. We're on Twitter um, and Instagram and TikTok. So check us out there. Bubba, thank you so much. Great show there uh, with Mike Kennedy, play-by-play uh, -play voice of the Wichita State Shockers. Thanks to him. And Bobby Williams, the head coach of the Riverside Knights in Williamson, a great basketball coach and great guy all around, uh, alum of the Pirates. All right, thanks for everybody. Appreciate it. And as always, go Pirates. Touchdown with the cannons blast. Get it on, get it all, get the wave going, let the hurricane y'all.